Hey there, Chip Close here, host of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. Today is a really great conversation with Avi Gorin. He is the co-founder and CEO of Marquee. Uh, Marquee is an incredibly powerful piece of software that uh, that really it's a must-have for anyone out there. So we're going to talk about the software. We're going to talk about his journey. Mostly, though, the best part about having somebody like Avi on the show is that he gets to peek behind the curtain of thousands of different restaurants, from small independent operators to larger change to huge, huge restaurant groups, and he's going to be able to share his insights uh, and experiences working with all levels. That's the uh, focus of today's episode. Don't go anywhere. All that more on Restaurant Strategy. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated solely to helping you build a more profitable restaurant. Each week, I leverage my two-plus decades in the industry to help you build that more profitable and more sustainable business. I also work directly with owners and operators all over the world through my P3 Mastermind program. So this is a group coaching format that meets two hours every single week to help you work through the specific challenges you face in your business. If you're curious to learn more, right, if you've got a busy restaurant, uh, you make a lot of people happy with really good food, but you're struggling to generate consistent, predictable 20% returns, then I'd love to chat with you. Set up a free call with me or someone from my team. Go to restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. As always, that link is in the show notes. Now. We all know managing costs is one of the most important parts of running a profitable restaurant, especially now, but between fluctuating vendor prices, waste, labor, and the never-ending list of tasks that demand your attention on a daily basis, it can be challenging for even the most uh, experienced of us to manage costs well. That's where Margin Edge comes in. Margin Edge is a complete restaurant management software that automatically uses uh, data from your POS and invoices to show you your food and labor costs in real time. Don't wait until it's too late. Margin Edge gives you tools to make decisions in the moment, like daily P&L, price alerts on key ingredients, and real-time plate costs, all without ever having to touch a spreadsheet. Take control of your costs, work more efficiently, and be more profitable. Learn more at marginedge.com chip. And yes, that link is in the show notes. Okay, so my guest on today's show is Avi Gorin. He's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Marquee. Uh, Marquee is one of the sponsors of the P3 Marketing Summit, the first live event uh, that we've ever done. It's happening right now. If you're listening to this in real time, it is happening right now in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, I love this company. Uh, I love uh, what they're building. I love what they've built. Uh, I love what they mean to restaurants. So I'm really excited uh, to get into uh, the creation of the company and sort of the growth and the future of the company. Uh, and specifically, I want to chat about um, about how they view uh, the current state of the uh, the industry and, and sort of how they're uh, helping restaurant owners. This is going to be a really great conversation. Uh, first, though, we got to welcome uh, we got to welcome this guy to the show, Avi. It's good to have you. Thank you, Chip. Appreciate it. I love everything you're doing in the industry as well and excited to get to chat for a while. 
Listen, it's the best part. You know, I always uh, I always uh, long to be one of those interviewers who can just give a really succinct welcome, um, but I can't help but give context and ramble on. And I feel that every time I do one of these interviews and every time I listen back to one of these interviews, I say, why don't I just say, Avi, welcome to the show. Um, Avi, welcome. It's, it's good to you. have you. It's maybe so, because no one knows who I am. <laughs> no, uh, no. The best part about this show is that uh, nobody listens to this by accident. Like right. there's nobody is like, oh, this sounds interesting. And if they do, they typically promptly turn it off within five minutes. This is an insidery show. This show was built for specifically for independent owners and operators. Like that's what it was for, um, helping them level up, do the things that the bigger restaurant groups and chains do, um, helping them uh, do what other industries do so well. So. Everybody here is here on purpose, yeah. and so we can be really insidery. We can really geek out over the um, the nuances of our industry. So, talk to me. Let's give some context. Sure. Talk to the audience who you are. Um, did you come from the food world? Did you come from the tech world? What is yeah. Marquee? What made you build Marquee? Answer all those in whatever order you feel. Sure. Did I come from the restaurant world? Did I come from the tech world? I'd say a foot in each, belonging to both. Um, I grew up with restaurants just being a crucial part of my life. We, A, I mean, we are, we are food people. Like it just brings an un, un, unreasonable <laughs> amount of joy in our lives to have a good meal and a good bite. And like my wife and I always joke, we're like, A, now with two kids, we don't have the time to risk a bad meal, right? So like good meals are just, yeah. they're the crux of, of our happiness right now. Um, and then as far as kind of restaurants growing up, you know, my parents were, my dad worked a bunch. We didn't have a, a, a huge opportunity to go to restaurants during the week. So every Sunday was like our restaurant night. Um, kid of the nineties, a lot of those restaurant nights ended up at Cheesecake Factory, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but restaurants are just always important. And so when it came time for me to start working in high school, it was immediate to me that I wanted to do something in hospitality. So I was a busboy at a catering hall, ended up uh, one of my favorite pizza places out on Long Island, the Coco's, my opinion, top five in New York, which means probably top 10 in the world, um, they were hiring. And so I ended up working there from ninth grade through senior year, doing every job imaginable from cleaning to making pizza to, you know, anything they needed done, box building, you name it. And then when I grew my hair out junior year, I became a driver because I wasn't allowed to be behind the counter anymore. So <laughs> I delivered pizzas for two years and I just, I loved every minute of it. I, it convinced me that I wanted, I wanted to open a restaurant one day. This was what I wanted yeah. to do with my life. I brought in all of my friends to work there. Um, you know, by, I, I like to joke that by the time I left, it was Gorin, Goldberg, Crewman, Miller, yeah. all working back there. Um, <laughs> And we just, we loved that space. And so I ended up going to, uh, to the University of Texas down in Austin. And I, when it came time for, for graduation, I went to the wrong job fair and met Yelp. <laughs> and I didn't really know I was applying, but they ended up offering me a job. And next thing I knew, I'm moving to Scottsdale to work at Yelp. And it began this kind of two-year journey of, wow, this is a really difficult digital world to be in. This is 2012. It's the wild, yeah. wild west. Um, everyone's thinking Groupon mania, right? No one really understands how that works. They didn't understand. It's not, yes, you could say it's a marketing budget, but you're giving up 50% of already a 50% discount Groupon mania sweeping the nation. And I basically spent two years speaking to restaurant owners, hearing their pain points, 
learning a lot, not just from that side, but also there's a lot of do's and don'ts that I kind of took away from my time at Yelp as well, right? And, and they're a great partner of ours, but there were some things early on from a culture perspective that just, I didn't know if this was just what work life was, or maybe this was just this specific business, right? So a lot of takeaways from there. And basically after two years, got a little burnt out. My uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, we, we both took six months off and we just, we spent all of our money backpacking South America where I'm from. So we visited my, Whoa, my grandparents. Cool. We, we did, uh, you know, a month in Santiago. We went down South all the way to Ushuaia eating everything we could along the way. Um, and we like to joke, we budgeted for the trip really, really well, but we came home broke. And so we lived in my parents' basement for uh, about six months as we figured out our next step. And my, oldest friend at the time, it's still my oldest friend, one of my oldest friends, best friends, Guy Evan, now my co-founder, told me he was working in this great place in, in New York that I should check out. Interviewed with this guy, Brian. Fast forward two years later, I leave, I got the job. I ended up leaving this company to start Marquee and Brian was the first check-in and now my third co-founder and CRO. So everything kind of happened um, pretty yeah. organically there towards the end. And the company I ended up working for in New York was an enterprise software company. And that was where these early ideas of Marquee started to come from, right? There was this clear indication enterprise brands like Yum and McDonald's, they have resources to build bespoke tech stacks that your mom and pops, your even 50, 100 location multi-unit hospitality groups don't have. And right. because of my time at the Coco's Pizzeria I and Yelp, I, I love mom and pops. Independence are, are what bring me joy. Yes, we work with a ton of multi-units and it's great. But mom and pops, man, when I when I hear at trade shows, hey, how many locations do you have? Only one. It's not only one. It's a lot. One is hard, right? And so yeah. that's where I wanted to, to kind of jump out and, and start Marquee in this concept of let's let's make tech stacks easier. Let's be this plumbing and piping to allow tech stacks to integrate with each other. So I, I think that's great. Um, I, I love that you got a foot in each, and uh, you're absolutely right. Um, talk to talk to me, talk to the listeners uh, about what Marquee is. So uh, we meet you in an elevator and you say, hey, I'm the co-founder of Marquee. And they say, oh, what's that? I don't know what it is. And you got 30 seconds. What's yeah. the 30 second pitch and what is Marquee? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you the quick 30 second highlight, right? We are your digital operations simplified. So when you think about your menu data, your hours of operation, your photos, all of that needs to be correct across consumer sites, Google, Yelp, TripAdvisor, Facebook, even MapQuest, right? All of this is crucial for the consumer journey. We're gonna integrate with your cloud-based point of sale, pull out that menu data, those hours of operations, redistribute that across consumer sites. So we're automating all of that for you. And then on the review side, we're giving you one dashboard that'll ingest and work with reviews like Google, Yelp, Facebook, OpenTable, Uber Eats, EasyCater, true hospitality-focused reviews, so that you can not only respond, but also leverage the data, right? Because now you're looking at on-premise and off-premise. So um, we're gonna give you this platform to allow you to really operate efficiently uh, and, yeah. and level up. Yeah, so I wanna dig a little bit more into reviews um, in just a second, because yeah. it's become so huge. It's funny, I mean, you were talking about, you know, the difference between where things were in 2012 
versus where they are now, a little more than a decade. I mean, so much has changed uh, about the way that we run restaurants, about the way that we have to run restaurants. Uh, One of the things early on in uh, this show, so this show turns five in just a couple of months, and uh, early on, (laughs) yeah, thanks. It's uh, it's like the little uh, little podcast that could. Um, (laughs) Early on in my first year, I'll say, um, I had had a woman from Moz.com come over. Sure. And she was starting, we were talking about SEO rankings and and relevancy scores and all of that and yep. what independent restaurant owners can and should be doing to, you know, make sure their digital presence is dialed in, right? Yeah. Yeah. This goes hand in hand with what you guys with what you guys do. But Absolutely. one of the things I remember at the end, almost an afterthought in that conversation about four years ago, she said, and you know what? It's not officially part of the algorithm, but we're watching, we're seeing how reviews, consumer reviews, are really driving yep. scores. And now it's, and she said, hey, here are the top 10 things that you can do to really um, dial in your yep. SEO. And 10 was almost an afterthought. It was talking about reviews. And now I would say it's got to be one of the top three. True it's or false? Top, three, top three for sure. And I think maybe because I, I came from Yelp early on, Reviews were always crucial in my mind. They were always, and also as a consumer, right? I don't, I mentioned earlier, meals are precious. I research everything. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm in deep. By the time I go to a restaurant, I know the owner and their kid's story, right? Like I'm, I'm in yeah. deep. Um, reviews are so crucial. But now what we're realizing and what everyone's kind of realizing, and we've talked about this for a couple of years at Marquee already, reviews are important. Responses are almost more important. Because yeah. now you're able to leverage essentially free content. You can do part of our, our crucial strategy. I'll give an example, Gregory's Coffee, 40 locations. Whether the review is good or bad, we'll give a bad one, for example. The response is, hey, I'm sorry you didn't have a normal regular experience. Make sure you come back and try our fall oat boy latte. We're leveraging yeah. keywords. We're talking about menu items, right? It's yeah. such easy content and so yeah. crucial to the whole part of the puzzle, right? The cool thing about reviews right now, so it's funny because so I grew up really in this industry, really where I came into it was, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 years. Um, my operational career was in fine dining in New York City. Okay. And when we talk a lot about social media and the importance of social media as we, you know, as it relates to big restaurants, right? In mm-hmm. And this idea of engagement <laughs> as something you have to do rather than something we get to do. Mm-hmm. And what's the cool thing about reviews is that as people have been reviewing, right? And we watch, so in New York City Fine Dining, uh, we live and die by the by the critic from the New York Times, of course. right? Of course. And now critics all over the world are sort of disappearing. And what's really interesting is that I think there's something that we can sort of get sad about because really great critics helped us sort of mark time, notice food trends, look at what's happening, yep. good, bad, or otherwise. Um, but I don't know that one person should um, should hold you know life or death over a restaurant, and largely, especially in New York City, especially in the world of fine dining, Michelin starred restaurants, they did. If they opened a eight million dollar restaurant and it didn't uh, wasn't well yeah. received, it's done. It's absolutely done. So one thing that's really uh, that's happened, I mean, really since the advent of Yelp, is the democratization of reviews. Is that um, we get a mosaic, right? We get um, this mm-hmm. tapestry thing. We get a lot of different opinions. 
and that you can read somebody's <laughs> review and then we can go and say, well, OK, they didn't seem like they didn't like it. Well, let me go look at what other reviews they had. And oh, they also didn't like this other place. I didn't like that either. So, OK, now I'm, I'm willing to trust them a little bit more because now I feel like we've got similar tastes. Yep. All of that, I think, is a is a is a really good thing as you, as you weave this this whole thing together. The last piece like you're talking about it, responding to it is now we turn reviews into actual social media where we we are social with the people we mm -hmm. engage there's um we're more public that way and it's realer than responding to a comment on instagram let's say you correct know, something that we're told we're supposed to do as an operator in a restaurant so talk to me about the reviews and the weight that they have now on digital presence and then talk to me about the responding to the reviews yeah, um, and sort of how that's changed in the last couple of years. Well, I think a few things I want to touch on, right? And I think there's such, there's such emotions tied to reviews. And I, and I said this, I, we were, we were given a presentation over food on demand. And I think outside of your weight and hairline reviews are like the most sensitive thing we can talk about. Right. And like, <laughs> it is, it's personal and it's hard to ever separate that whether you are a, you know, we work with a hundred plus location family owned restaurant group here in Texas that I can tell you even at that level, each review, it, it hits home, right? Or you're a single location, been around for 60 years and someone insulted the meatballs that was your grandma's recipe, right? No matter what, it's personal and it's hard to separate, but we have yeah, to, I think it's true. right? Yeah. We have to. Um, and if you haven't, anyone listening, if you haven't seen the South Park clip about Cartman and Yelp, it's worth it. It's just, it's so on point. It's incredible. Um, but reviews, you know, it's this flywheel, right? And you need to get them and you need to respond to them and there's strategies and how you respond. What we found from our client base, and we're working with over 10,000 different locations at this point, we see about a 30% increase on average of your rating over time if you respond. And the reason is twofold, right? A, you do get people who come back and update because they've come back, they've invited, all of that, but also because it means if you're responding, you're reading and you are going to learn something. You're going to ignore some stuff, which is fine, but you're also going to be like, hey, I, I, this is now the fifth or sixth time I'm hearing this. Maybe I do need to address whatever this was, right? Yep. Um, you mentioned fine dining. Anyone listening, if you haven't read Unreasonable Hospitality yet, it's incredible. And, and we, it was a company mandatory read for our, our onsite in September. I absolutely loved, I, I like, I kept writing down what I wanted to talk about the company. I realized I was just writing the whole book, right? And a yeah. line that I like <laughs> to take from that a lot for reviews is, is Will Godara says, and it's so true, criticism is an investment, right? Aff praise is an affirmation. And so when you get that piece of criticism, it might be worth listening to, right? It might be worth improving upon if you hear it enough. And so we help give you those tools to be able to have that information. Cause again, you're not a data scientist. You shouldn't be a data scientist running a restaurant. You need to have these tangible takeaways and easy access to these, 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 you know, quantitative facts so that you can try and improve. Right. It's, it's hard. It's all hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So you, I mean, you obviously need a system and I believe this, we need a system to gather reviews to, so that we get a steady stream I always say, you look around your dining room, there are people that are loving it right now. Right. All we have to do is get better, put a system into place for figuring out who those people are and just inviting them 
right. making it obvious, making it easy, making it um, something they want to do to say, oh, my God, I love this place. It was so great. Right. Like they're already going to do that to their friends. They're yep. already taking pictures and putting it on social media. So just say exactly everything you're going to tell your friends tomorrow, everything you're posting. Can you also just leave this? So we need a system for that. And oftentimes it's just something as simple as open your eyes and stick out your hand and ask. Yeah. Um, but then you're talking about getting a system for actually responding to that and, you know, keeping that engagement piece. And I love this. I love this stat that you shared where there's actually data that shows there's a there's an uptick in the score for those restaurants that um, do steadily respond, which is one of the things that Marquee does. Right. Aggregates right. all of these. So it's just in one place. You can respond to them even within that place and all of that. Uh, on yeah. The back end so of Marquee. So the big thing that when we look at our review system, right, it, it's twofold. It's a, we wanted to give a, a way for restaurateurs and operators to have easy takeaways. I mentioned earlier, no one's a data scientist, right? Everything you're thinking about as a restaurateur, we're trying to put in front of you in a digestible manner. And a quick example, on-premise versus off-premise, right? Those are different review systems. It's not apples to apples. The second food leaves your building, you're creating variables that are out of your control. I was a pizza delivery driver. I can tell you having a 17 year old drive your food is not setting you up for success. <laughs> like <laughs> you're already maybe operating at a four at your peak, right? I made wrong turns. I listened to a song. I called a friend. Like it's just, it, it, there are variables, yeah. right? Um, what we try to do is not only give you a place where you can have all this data and have takeaways, you can choose to respond what we found and what we've been building for the last six months is actually what we call our AI plus HI review response tool. So we've launched a feature that now leverages AI for scalability and cost efficiency. But because this industry is so unique and so hands-on, your brand manager, your, we have a human on our team based in the States, a marquee employee who is reading, approving, and then sending this out back to the internet, right? So you're not just getting an example. We always give is we have a client in New York in Union Square. They had a review that said, you know, Bob is great, Ruglux is amazing, but the parking's a problem. And the AI generated <laughs> review was, we're going to address the, thank you for that. You know, we love the feedback. We're going to address the parking situation. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. It's Union Square in Manhattan. No one's fixing that, right? That's not a review that you want going out there, or response, I should say. That's where we're here to fix and avoid and make it scalable so that, again, even as a single unit operator with limited hours and resources, you can be as responsive as IHOP. You can be as responsive as these multi-thousand location chains and, and groups who have the resources to dedicate a, a, a paying job to this, right? That's what we're yep. trying to build. So talk to me about, so now to take a step back, let's go out to the 30,000 foot view for another second here. Yeah. Because you work with small operators you walk uh, with larger operators you work with huge operators so what are the things i'm going to ask this both sides what are the yeah. things that big companies really get right and and thrive at and then on the flip side what's something that the small guys really are good at that they may yeah. not realize it understanding that the listeners of this show are mainly uh, independent owners and operators yeah you get some multi-unit uh, operators here they've got sure. 5 10 15 units um that's sort of the wheelhouse of the people uh, who are listening to this right now. Talk to me about those those yeah. two sides. So, with multi-unit operators, end of the day, we talked. You talked earlier about you know kind of location. <clears throat> excuse me, location data with Moz and, and all of that. So we we do a lot of location data, right? When your data, if you have multi-units, 
and your data is actually matching and consistent, and then you have relevant content, you see exponential growth, right? Gregory's Coffee, 40 units, I'll just share on this call over the last four months, over the last four years working together, we've seen their organic discovery data. That's coffee near me. Those are the people you want, right? That's discovery searches, categorical, coffee near me, lunch near me, healthy food near me, whatever it is. We've seen that number grow from about 800,000 in month one to a pre-COVID peak of about 10 million. And now they hit like 12 or 13 million in the last couple of months, monthly discovery views. When a multi-unit operator takes the time and energy and resources to understand the foundation of local SEO is accurate data. Everything else, you can't build a roof and a wall without a floor. This is the foundation. If it's Chips Pizzeria on Google and Chips Pizzeria and Italian Bistro on Yelp, those are two different businesses. When in mm -hmm. fact, you need to be identical for all my Cousin Vinny fans out there. And so <laughs> if, if you're not operating like that as a multi-unit operator, you're setting yourself up for a disaster, right? So that's what yeah. they do well, right? They, they, they understand the crux of the foundation of what they're doing. Now, are they using the right system? Are they putting the right energy? I don't know. But they understand that that's crucial, right? When you look at the single unit operators we work with, what I love is that they have, there is so much passion towards the end product and making sure that that experience, that, that the regular who comes in for the last 15 years, every Thursday, the, 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 it, out in Oceanside, Long Island, we have Kevin's Coffee Shop. It's an institution. It's been there 40 years. You don't go through high school in my town without getting in a car and going there <laughs> as frequently as possible. And the way that Kevin interacts with the community where people are not, just putting on, like, he has maybe the most active Facebook page I've ever seen. But outside of that, friends of mine who are in their 30s who go back, post photos of them and their kids at Kevin's Coffee Shop, right? Like, there's a passion that single units bring that you're not going to get at Denny's. And that's okay, right? That's not why you go to Denny's. But you're not going to get that passion. So there's so much care about the end product that oftentimes they'll try and leverage a tool like Marquee to automate as much of the rest of it. Right. And so yeah. I would almost want to challenge to say, bring some of that passion to the review piece, bring some of that passion to a little bit more of the admin part. And you're going to skyrocket because that if you can understand and untap that last piece of the puzzle, sky's the limit. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Running a restaurant is hard work, but managing your team doesn't have to be. If you're spending hours on scheduling and chasing your team down through text chains and emails, you need to check out Seven Shifts, a team management platform built specifically for restaurants. With Seven Shifts, you can create and publish schedules in minutes, communicate with your team, and pay your employees all in a single tool. Seven Shifts helps your team make more profitable decisions, improving operating efficiency, and most importantly, it gives you time back in your day. And right now, Restaurant Strategy Podcast listeners can get three months free. To get started, visit sevenshifts.com slash restaurantstrategy. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash restaurantstrategy to get three months of industry-leading team management for free. As always, the link is in the show notes. So I, I love that. I want to stick stick with that for just another minute. How, how does how do they do that, or who does that really well mm -hmm. that you guys work with? So it's funny. We have we work with a ton of different single unit operators, right? The spectrum. We have your your Vietnamese pho spot in Houston to a farm to table 
outside of Boston who updates their menus completely differently every week, right? What we've found is it's those operators who who have kind of gone through this growth of the last 20 years, who've seen this digital transformation and usually have a kid, a cousin, a family, but someone's kind of come in and be like, hey, this is important. And they kind of had this light bulb moment of realizing it and they're allocating resources in some capacity, right? They're, they're de- it's someone's job. Where there's attention, there's progress. So you can't ignore it. And, and it's okay. We work with people oftentimes who say, hey, I've got my GM handles Yelp. Okay, but wouldn't it be cool if your GM, instead of spending five hours a month on Google, Yelp, TripAdvisor, and only doing three of them and doing a bad job of it, which isn't his, his or her fault, <laughs> you had a system to help that person spend 30 minutes to an hour a month, and then they could go back to running the in-store issues and problems, which is your main passion anyway, right? Like, let's, this shouldn't be just a checklist item. You have to have, it has to be someone's job, right? And two quarterbacks is no quarterback. You need someone's <laughs> job who this lives yeah. with. And that's where we see success on single units. It can't be ignored. It can't be a group effort. Someone needs to own it. Talk to me about, so again, you talked about 2012, where we were with uh, technology and specifically restaurant tech to where we are now. And talk to me about the biggest mistakes that you see owners make, operators make when it comes to this quote unquote tech stack and building it or not building it or the way they build it or the way they think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think we've probably waded into this water a little bit already, which is, which is why I want to go a little bit deeper. Talk to me about that. Look, 2012 was a crazy year, right? I remember if you spoke to me (laughs) on the other line of, of that Yelp call, it was all about, Hey, near me searches are coming. The data says, 30% 30% of iPhone users are going to search for burgers near me in three years. <laughs> like that's where we were going, right? Near me searches were coming. Um, fast forward and it's all about near me searches, right? It's about, and Jim Gaffigan, best, you know, one of his best jokes was the best burger is the one closest to me, right? That's like underlying <laughs> understanding of consumer behavior, right? 85% plus decisions are made within an hour of food searches. So being found and being found correctly is so important now more than ever. We've seen this evolution from 2012, and you see companies like Bento Box, who you know basically brought organization to websites, right? And and a lot of other people have kind of copied and done a good job, but websites have really upped since the Yodel days of 2010, right? Um, so you see websites growth. You see these point of sales that again, even when we started Marquee in 2016-17, one of our lines in our pitch deck was, hey. of operators say their next point of sale is going to be cloud-based. I mean, look where we are now, right? Toast, Square, uh, Revel, Clover, and hundreds of others, right? Yep. The issues that we face now and why I think what we're doing at Marquee is so important is you now have an insane amount of single-point fragmented solutions. So none of our restaurant groups, if you look at our client base as a whole, representing 10,000 plus locations, I can tell you not one of them is operating with an identical tech stack, right? And that's because you need to find what works best for you. You might have someone who says, hey, I wanna be able to have a point of sale, but pick my own credit card processor. Hey, I might wanna have an all-in-one solution like Toast, but I also wanna leverage Lunchbox for catering, right? Um, We have two clients in the Northeast, Dig and Gregory's, both 40-ish locations, venture-backed, different tech stacks. 
right? There is no one size fits all, which is why, again, to quote Will Gudera, we want to create one size fits one solutions. So that's what we're seeing now is there's almost this like diner size menu of options for a tech stack. And it's over, it's overwhelming for restaurant operators to choose. Um, Yeah. But again, you can't ignore it. So whatever you choose is going to work for you. Yeah. And that's what matters. It's funny. One of the things that I talk about a lot um, as a coach, right? Because I work with restaurant owners from all over the world. And I say, let's just walk back. Let's just walk it all the way back. Yeah. Like, what do we need to do? Okay, we need to uh, get people in the door or we need to generate revenue. You know, that's, they say, I need butts and seats. I was like, no, 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 you don't. You just need revenue. That might be butts and seats, but it might not. So let's just go back to, you've got a business. Mm -hmm. We need revenue to be able to pay for the expenses that we have in that business. So like, let's just take it back to its smallest building block. Like, what do I need? I need to make money. Okay. That starts with a POS, right? Okay. I need a way to be able to take payments. Okay, great. What else do we need? What and just the biggest things that you think of are going to be the next thing you add to the the stack. So yeah. when people say, "Oh, you know, tech stack." I keep hearing hearing all about tech stack, and I don't even have a tech stack. I just have a bunch of technology. It's like, oh, okay, that's because you just kept buying stuff, yeah, or because people sold you stuff rather yep. than stopping and saying, "What do I need?" And being really clear, and I always tell this to people who go to trade shows, because I say, "Hey, listen, n- not enough people go to trade shows, and trade shows are great, and they can be even better." And they get better by mm-hmm. having more savvy restaurant owners going, meaning like yeah. more savvy, but also more of them um, so that they ask really hard questions when they're walking the floor. Yeah. Like, this is the problem I have. What do you do to solve that problem? Oh, you don't solve that problem? Great. All the best. I'm up to the next table. If we go in there armed with an understanding of what we're looking yeah. to do. So it's just as simple as that. We need revenue. Okay. Revenue is generated by having butts and seats at this particular restaurant. Great. How do we how do we get them in? How do we et cetera? And just piecing one yeah. uh, after the other. It's funny. Uh, you and I both know Rev Ciancio very well. I was about to bring him up. Yeah. <laughs> so Rev is a very good friend of mine. He's co-hosting this event, the P3 Marketing Summit. Uh, that those, if you're listening to this uh, in real time, it's happening right now. Uh, if you're listening to this in real time, it means either you're ignoring us on the stage or <laughs> get off your uh, phone. You didn't get your. <laughs> But Rev, I find really, um, you know, so he and I are like the yin and yang, I find that I'm all strategy. I'm big picture, you know, mindset. Let's, what are we actually trying to do here? And he's tactical, like, okay, but actually, how do we do it? He's the technician um, and he's brilliant at doing it. And I find it really, um, I talk about him a lot. He's been on this show a handful of times. Um, So at this point, the listeners know, but every time he works with a new restaurant, and I've said this on air, I'll say it again, he's the smartest restaurant marketer I know. I feel like um, I'm I'm thoughtful about what I do and all that, but he's actually the guy getting it done. And I find it very telling that every new client he works with, and he works with, I don't know, 120, 130 restaurants all over the, all over mm-hmm. the country, every new client he works with, he insists that they get marquee because he said what they do is just too powerful. I don't have time for it. And if you're not going to do it, then... I can't do all the things that you want me to do. Yeah. What, what's, what's great about how Rev works with his clients is it's not a checklist. He goes in and he says, here are the pain points. Good news. Here are proven, tested solutions that you can implement that will be easy. Right? And that's, it's, it's so important that, and we talk about it all the time internally, like, don't give me a problem without a, a potential solution. Right? Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that, it's not like he just says, hey, location data is a menu and an issue. Here's five to seven, eight companies you could talk to, right? Yep. Instead, he comes in and he says, hey, here's the issue. 
Here's a company that is proven, tested. I will text the co-founders if there's an issue. I am vouching for them yeah. and they're going to work because they've worked yep. not only for everyone else, but at Handcraft. What he's done at Handcraft has been incredible and, and fun to watch. Yep. Their data keeps going up. We, we, we went through this uh, internal case study with them because we saw you know just the tater tots, right? Tater tots is not a frequently searched term, but people are searching for tater tots. And they've done a great job of capturing those keywords through leveraging captions on photos, correct menu data, right? And like, it's fun to watch him not just, you know, suggest things, but then also test them publicly, right? And he tests them yeah. in his own store, which is, you That's know, right. a great way to do it. And again, anybody who's just tuning in who doesn't know who I'm talking about, Rev Ciancio, he is a restaurant marketer. He's a consultant. Again, he works with hundreds of uh, restaurants all over uh, the country. Uh, he's also a restaurant uh, operator himself, uh, Handcraft mm -hmm. Burgers and Brew, right, in um, Bryant Park. Uh, it's this tiny little place. It is. <laughs> if this it's is tiny. a little podcast that could, his is the little uh, his is the little restaurant that could. I mean, it's like forty square feet plus like a hundred square feet in the kitchen. I mean, it's tiny, yeah. uh, but phenomenal food. Really great. And how they've had to think about tech stack and think about service and think about all of that because they didn't have even room for a, a register. They basically, yeah. I mean, there's like a half register there that's that's there just because they feel like they had to, but. It's all kiosk ordering. It's all like to, it's I mean, the way they set it up. Fifteen percent of the of the dining area is a beer fridge. <laughs> that's right. That's a hundred percent. A hundred percent. The 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 problem uh, the the solutions they've come up with have been uh, direct solutions to the problems of the space. Yeah. They got access to a great space, and they were like, "Well, how are we going to make this work?" We obviously can't have waiters. We can't have register. We need this. They felt like the beer program was important enough that that was worthy of the of the space. Watching what they did, which sort of goes back to what I was saying a minute ago, sort of uh, supports what you were saying, is that it's all about problems and solutions. And I yep. find that a lot of operators out there don't take the time to say, what's the problem I'm dealing with? Yeah. They're just too busy either being told what they should be doing. Somebody says, oh, oh, oh you're not on TikTok? Oh, oh, you, you should be on TikTok. You should, oh, oh. And then suddenly the the uh, owner feels like they got to delegate to the, the reservationist. Uh, can, can you start a TikTok for us? Everyone's telling me I got to be on TikTok. Rather than stopping and saying, what's actually the problem? Hey, I need more ways to get my mm -hmm. brand out there. And stop to say, is TikTok really the best? you know and, and on and on you can you can extend that to just everything and that, that's where i think lucky yeah. comes in the interesting thing you said i want to go back just a little bit is that there's a handful of that, that just streamlines a lot of stuff in the background that marquee yeah. does and then the other piece to it which is that and this is the best part this is why we're getting to the really good part of technology is that it allows you to actually be more human right mm -hmm. it, it makes it easy it's hard to be human when you got to log into Google, log into Yelp, log into TripAdvisor, log into Foursquare and deal with all these reviews. But if we can be more efficient with the time, lock them all in one place, then you've got the time to not just find your logins, your passwords, open up a new browser window, scroll through, but just, hey, I'm going to be human for this period of time or make it really easy, like you said, yeah. to assign the task, to delegate the task to somebody. I think that's the really cool thing about everything, what you've laid out here is that well, and I think it's the best part of technology. Well, and, and I, I agree fully on that. And I think what, what's nice about how we've done our reviews is even if you're leveraging our AI and HI tool, right, the artificial intelligence and human intelligence, you're doing it so that you can have the responses so that you're addressing the customer correctly. 
but you're also getting the data from us. We're giving you a download. We're giving you a really easy synopsis way to take the takeaways so you can make the improvements or you can give your employees praise, right? We get tons of shout outs. This is, people have this idea that yeah. reviews are mostly negative. They're not. They're not. The data yeah. is very clear. Majority of reviews are above three stars. The ones that are one and two just hurt more, which is why you feel it, right? I think I've stubbed my toe thousands of times, whereas in reality, I've probably stubbed my toe hundreds of times. Um, but it hurts more, right? Like that's like negative <laughs> reviews hurt. That's why you think yes. there's so many of them, but they, they, they're, they're not. And so again, having that, there's nothing wrong with automation if you can do it the right way, right? And like there's still quality control check, you're getting the takeaways, it's so important. And so again, it's about operating efficiently and having that 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 opportunity, right? Um, yep. You talk about kind of operating in the background. I don't know if whoever here is not following Andrew Simmons over at, at Mama Ramona, what he's doing building publicly is so fun to watch, right? Because he gives very blunt, honest feedback on any tech stack he's, he's working on, anything he's checking out. Um, he just switched locations, help, you know, we help leverage what we're doing to update the address and menus. And it's fun to watch someone like that kind of build in public. Yeah, for sure. Um, talk to me about three-star reviews. This is something I've heard you guys talk about at Marquee and I want for the listener's yeah. sake, I, I want to hear, talk to me about what you, uh, what you believe about three-star reviews. Three stars is your opportunity to convert, right? The ones and twos, listen, you got to address, you got to make sure they're heard. Maybe there's some valid takeaways. Maybe someone's just having a bad day, right? You got to address them. Fine. Five star. Great. You know, go ahead. Hey, my mom agrees, right? Five stars all the way. Um, <laughs> you know, you're not going to really see someone jump from a four to a five. Like four, it's probably like my, my, uh, my high school Spanish teacher used to say, a hundred is for God. 99 is for me. You guys start at 98. Right, someone giving four stars like that probably doesn't give a lot of fives. That's my <laughs> guess. The three stars are the ones who can be swayed, right? Those are the ones who like, hey, the food was good, but service felt off, or I was ignored for twenty minutes, the water didn't get filled, whatever it is, right? Those are the ones where like you have a foundation that something good happened, and then probably something fluky happened, something that isn't the norm, something that doesn't. Mm. You know, that's not the culture you have at your restaurant. They maybe experienced a, a server on a bad day. Maybe the bartender was running behind. You were short-staffed because life's hard and who isn't short-staffed these days, right? Those are the ones where if you respond, if you can show improvement, bring them back in somehow, all of that is how you can convert threes into fours, right? And that's yeah. that's the upside. Ones and twos, address, that. move on. But like threes are your, that's fishing in your own barrel. I love that. You know, we're so busy in the restaurants that we, I feel like one of the best skills we can get, we talked about, you know, identifying problems and making sure mm -hmm. that we're finding solutions to those problems, but finding opportunities. And I love, I never thought of it that way before, before I heard you guys talk about it. I've heard Kelsey talk about it. I've heard you talk about it at shows and stuff, yeah. which is why I wanted the listeners to hear it. Um, but it's an opportunity. It's saying, hey, where are my opportunities? I say this yep. all the time when I go through a, a PL with a with a client. I said, we're not finding trouble spots. We're finding opportunities. Here's an opportunity to get some points back. Here's an opportunity for us to fix the thing. So I think we got better at finding where our opportunities are to do things yeah. better, to make a better connection, to you know, acquire a customer, to bring a customer back. I think I think we just got better at that. Mm -hmm. I think we'd I think we'd have a much different uh business on our hands. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think people, you know, it's it's that digital hospitality. It's that ability to kind of just 
engage as you would in in store. It's an opportunity just like be a human, right? Just like just yep, you know, you're not hiding behind the internet it's, here. Like be be honest. A hundred percent. It's one of the things that I truly believe about technology and the intersection of um, hospitality and tech, which is that when done right. And we can point to a million examples of where it's done wrong, but there are some really great examples of where it's going right. Yeah. When it goes right, uh, hospitality or with technology, we let the computers do the things that the computers can do, which then in turn will free up our people to do the things that only they can do. Correct. And ultimately then we lose the bottom 30% of our workforce who really doesn't want to be there anyway. Um, they they show us that in, in the way they dress, in the mm-hmm. way they behave, in the way they on and on and on, right? We yep. lose the people at the bottom. We elevate everybody in the middle up, and we got a, And then we have a whole staff of winners, people who really want to be there, who uh, who are then not doing menial tasks, who are actually doing really human work. Then our industry becomes a really cool thing to be a part of again. Yeah, I mean, that's how we think internally, right? We talk a lot about at Marquee. We are we're bringing hospitality to the hospitality industry. I talk about this all the time that. And it's Tony Shea from Zappos who used to say, you know, we're not a shoe company. We're a customer service company who sells shoes. We like to think we're a support company that works in hospitality because it is such an, it's an industry that's been burned so many times and it's, it's hard to believe that anyone will ever be responsive. But for us, we like to have same day responses, not necessarily same day solutions, right? We're going to tell you, Hey, Thank you for being our attention. We're working on this. We'll never say we're going to have an answer for you soon. Soon is not a time. We'll have an answer for you tomorrow morning. We'll get back to you by end of day, 4 p.m. Like it's little things that just, we get the feedback. We do our NPS scores. We hear from our clients and being able to be responsive goes so far. And we learned that from the industry, right? Being responsive, having managers have the ability to make decisions to make the, the situation better. We try to empower our account managers, our support team, our account executives, whoever, to have the opportunity to make the situation better. Because yeah, please ask 100%. for forgiveness if you're trying to make something better. Yeah, right? absolutely. I think one of the things that um, that technology is allowing us to do, I think, is to measure what we do, uh, measure what our people do. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I, I think when it works best is to empower them to do what they know needs to be done. Um, and this is something I think other industries have learned um, long before us. And I think we're the ones who actually um, get the most benefit from lear- from learning it. So I, I, I can't wait to see that really all fall into place industry-wide. Yeah, it, it's, it's happening, right? I think we saw the last few years just a, a crazy amount of new restaurant tech coming out, right? Some's going to mm-hmm. stick, some's not. That's okay. But we're seeing a lot of that. But also what's exciting is we're seeing a lot of adoption. I can't tell you how many times when I started going to trade shows, Pizza Expo 2017 was our our first big one. Do probably seven to nine a year, 17, 18, 19. The amount of times that I would hear, I don't have a point of sale. We use pen and paper. (laughs) Uh, I have someone who handles that. Uh, We don't do that. We're word of like to now in the last three years. It's, oh, I use toast. I use square. Yeah, we just got clover. It's, you can feel the difference when you're engaging with some of these you know lower unit count operators who are really embracing what having a system like toast can do for you or square can do for yeah. you versus the pen and paper yeah totally real quick tell me how do you know when you're when the 
when the software is working, right? Like somebody comes in and says, "Hey, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking. Of, I hear what you're saying. Every I, I could use help in all of this stuff. How do I know when it? How how do I know that it's working? How do you how do you know? For marquee software, or just in general. Yeah, yeah. For for marquee, <laughs> for what you guys do. For us, you're gonna feel it in two ways. You're gonna realize, whoa, I've got time back because a lot of what we talk about is the time savings. You are running a restaurant or someone is running the floor. You do not have the time for them to be taking that hourly rate and doing the things that we do. So you're going to feel the time given back to you, right? We were just working with someone. He spends three to four hours a week responding to reviews. Now he's spending about 45 minutes a week, right? That's 12 hours a month that he gets back. (laughs) That's monstrous, right? So you're going to get time. And then on the second side, a byproduct of what we do is local SEO, right? We get your listings accurate. We layer in relevant content like menus and a structured data that Google is crawling, that Yelp accepts, that TripAdvisor, all that, right? Your hours match. Your data is now consistent. We're laying relevant content. You're responding to reviews. You're going to see, and we, we include all of our search data from Google, Yelp. We've got like a, a blend. We've got all this data for you to see. You're going to see it climbing, Right. It's not going to happen tomorrow. You don't want to, this isn't about fixing something tomorrow. This is a long-term strategy. You're not going anywhere. You need to be thinking about local SEO in a 6, 12, 18, 24 month timeline because you can't fix it like that, right? It takes time and investment, right? And that's what we're here to help with and do. You're going to see improvements in that, right? Um, You're going to be found more. Discovery searches is what I care about. Direct is lagging, right? So discovery, again, pizza near me. Great. I've now found Chips Pizzeria. I went there. I loved it. Three months later, I'm like, what was what was the hours for that chip thing, chip pizzeria? What were the hours? I'm going to Google Chips Pizzeria hours. Now that's a direct search, right? So yep. direct is going to lag from discovery, yep. which is why yep. the first 90 days, I don't care too much about direct. I care about discovery. And then we start looking at direct, right? Um, so that's how you're going to know, data and time. I love it. I love it. Great. All right. I got five questions I ask everybody who oh comes on the show. Are you game? Uh, let's super do easy. it. All right. First question. What's the last great meal you had? Last great meal I had. God, we eat so many good meals. So we were in Galveston. My in-laws um, get an apartment out there a couple months in the fall every year. And I'm... I've only been, I started eating shrimp and, and shellfish, all that when I was about 22. So I'm still making up for lost time. And yeah. so we went out there, you go to Katie's market, right on the water. I get um, a bunch of shrimp. And then actually on this one, I said, hey, do y'all have any, uh, Texas has stone crab. I don't know if people know that or not. Um, Texas has stone crab. I said, do you have any stone crab claws? Like, oh, we, we don't have any today. And then as I'm paying, this guy goes, hold on a second. And someone just pulled up a boat with a bunch of stone crab claws. So <laughs> someone behind me wanted, so I didn't buy all of them, but I got half of them. And we went home and just had fresh shrimp. We fried shrimp. We boiled shrimp. We get we steamed our crab claws. Wonderful. That was my last great nice. meal. That was like a week ago. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. All right. Uh, tell me about a great hospitality touch you've had recently. Great hospitality touch. Um, there is a restaurant group in... I'd, I'd say Austin, but now they're in a bunch of states called High Hospitality, H-A-I Hospitality. They have Uchi here in Austin, which was their first big concept, launched Uchiko, 
They have a, co a collab concept called Loro, which is with Aaron Franklin's Barbecue. Fantastic. Now they're in three or four new locations. Uchi's opening in New York, LA, Scottsdale. They're, they're really, it's one of those 15 year overnight successes. Um, and the way that they manage their customer data is incredible. We go as a fan, like my whole, me and my wife started in college going there when we couldn't afford it. My in-laws in Houston are now obsessed with it. So we all, like our family goes a lot and we all, it's, I don't know if you're, I don't know if this is good or not to know, but we all use the name Debbie Daly because it's just, we want consistency. We want them to know this is the same group of people coming and they know exactly who we are, the seats we like. They send a holiday package to my mother-in-law. They are just the sweetest, kindest people who recognize that we go and we, this is not just a special occasion place, right? We love everything that high hospitality does. Yeah. And it's, it feels like it's reciprocated. They, they, it feels like they truly are appreciative that we are choosing to spend our limited time and dollars at their places. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. I got to track down somebody from the company to talk about how, talk about their CRM, talk to them about how they do that. They, right, uh... they do an incredible job. I'm going to have you connect me. We'll do that offline. All right. Third question, the genie question. If a genie came down, granted you one wish as it related to our industry, what would you wish for? <laughs> I think I would wish for just a little bit of standardization. I think that there's a dilemma and that, that um, dilemma of choice and that operators, it's almost, it's, it's just too much. There's this paralysis that comes from like, I don't know which point of sale to use, so I'm going to use the next one that calls. And then they're in this position where like, mm -hmm. I hated that point of sale, but I can't lift it. I can't switch it. I wish yeah. it was easier for people to implement a piece of heavy technology like a point of sale and not feel like they made the wrong choice because there's hundreds of other choices. Like it just... It, it, it's not a fun feeling, I think, and, and oftentimes what we hear when we're when we're talking to prospects is like, we're choosing between three point of sales. It's going to be six months before we choose. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I love that. Great. Um, all right, number four. What would you uh, What would you tell someone who's ready to open their first restaurant? Be brave. You got this, um, you know, let's, let's, are they like literally about to open? Do you have, do you have your online presence set? Or, or am I able to find you tomorrow? If I look for, if you're opening a pizzeria and I'm looking up for pizza near me, am I finding you? Are you there? Right? Because if you're not online, you're not there. Um, you know, it's going to be bumpy. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to learn from it. I'm going to give you the same advice that I kind of thought when we were starting Marquee, just survive. Just survive because you're going to, you're going to figure it out. You're nine months from now. It's going to be better. 18 months from now, it's going to be better. Five years from now, you're going to pinch yourself. So like just yep. survive. Yeah. I love that. All right. Last question. Uh, tell me about the future of restaurants. Look five years down the line and tell me something that's coming that you think other people uh, may not see coming. So... I actually think about this in, in maybe not in a in a tech way. I think of this more of a of a almost like a real estate way. Um, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more outposts. I'm I don't think I think we're done with this crazy ghost kitchen, virtual kitchen. This this 
phase of life, but something's going to stick. Something will come of what we just witnessed for the last two, three years. And for me, if it's an opportunity to see more people taking advantage of small square footage, right? Hey, I've built a really strong brand, one location. I've built a really strong brand in this town in Long Island, in Oceanside. I want to open up just a quick pickup in Rockville Center, a 50 square foot quick pick. Like that's what I want to see more of. I want to see more people taking advantage of smart real estate decisions and expanding that way. Right. Yep. And I, again, calling back to Andrew Simmons, I'm seeing him doing it where he's like, I don't need this 7,000 square foot spot. I need 800 yep. square foot spot. Right. And yep. that's what I want to see more because I think so many of these single unit operators could be yep. really successful one and a half, two and a half, three and a half, four and a half unit operators if they can figure out how to minimize that capital investment to, to bring their awesome meatballs to the town yep. next door. I agree. Right. This is the this is the Sean Walshef hub and spoke model he's doing with Cali Barbecue yeah. out in San Diego. Yeah, and I Absolutely. love it. And I think I think more people will be doing when when people like Sean do that publicly, which he does very publicly, and I love very. it. And I love his unboxings and like I just love everything he puts out there. If more single unit operators can see that and understand that I don't need three hundred thousand dollars to open up my next store, but I need three thousand a month. It is mm-hmm. so exciting, and I think we're going to see – like, I want to see more growth from one to seven units like that than I want to see yeah. these, you know, in and out coming to Texas. Leave me alone, in and out yeah. I got P. Terry's. Yeah. We're good. Give me more P. Terry's. <laughs> right? Like, I'm it. good in and I, out I think this is – I think it's a really great point. Um I think that's probably as good a place as anywhere to leave it. Uh, I appreciate your time. Before I let you go, uh, let everybody know where they can go to discover more about Marquee. So come find a, if you're listening now, get off your phone and go find us at the event. You can also come to marquee.com, M-A-R-Q-I-I.com. When we launched, I could not afford the one with the U. We now own the domain. So if you misspell our name, we will still find you. M-A-R-Q-I-I.com. We go to so many trade shows, Pizza Expo in Vegas, um, you know, National Restaurant Show in Chicago. Come find us, get some time with us in person, online. Whatever it is, um, you can also find me on celebritysandwiches.com, frequent purchaser, <laughs> um, Instagram, getmarquee.com. Come find us, come chat. We always love talking to, uh, to hospitality folk. Excellent. We'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. So uh, those listening, don't worry about it. You don't have to crash your car or try to scribble that down. It'll M-A-R-Q-I-I. In the <laughs> M-A-R-Q-I-I. Um, Avi, I- I've... Uh, I've loved getting to know you uh, over the last little while and getting to know more about Marquee, and I appreciate you taking the time uh, to finally sit and have this conversation with me. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do, Chip. We appreciate it. So again, I got to thank Avi for taking time out of his day to sit and chat with us. All of the links are in the show notes. Uh, Again, Marquee is a really powerful uh, piece of software. They are a sponsor of the P3 Marketing Summit. I'm thrilled to have them as part there. And again, if you're listening in real time, we are actually there in South Carolina uh, in the room 
uh, right now with them. So if you're here, if you're uh, in South Carolina with us, go find the folks from uh, Marquee, uh, ask them questions, let them show you what it is they do. And if you're not here in South Carolina, then please reach out again, find the links in the show notes. I think it's a really uh, powerful tool that's going to make your life so much more efficient and ultimately uh, drive to more dollars. So that's that. Last thing I got to ask you to do for me, if you haven't done it already, uh, is leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you get any sort of value from this show, then please just share that with uh, the audiences out there or with prospective audiences, right? I talk a lot about the marketing triangle, uh, customer acquisition, customer retention, and evangelism. This is evangelism. I want you to evangelize for me and for this community. Again, if you get something out of the show, go tell people what you've gotten out of the show. Tell people why they should listen. Do that. Apple Podcasts, it's the number one way uh, that I know that we've found to grow this show. I appreciate you guys being here every single week. Thank you very much, and I will see you next time.